You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system, up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant, with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Yeah, but sometimes I think that's the beauty of being friends with comics is like you get, you're, it's that you're inside your own forest, so you can't see the forest. Mm. Like I, I told a joke one time that I did not think was funny at all. Uh, we, were, we do this new material night at the store on Tuesday nights. Jeremiah Watkins uh, runs it. It's one of my favorite shows to do. And in the back are Rogan and Segura. And I'm up on stage and some, and, they, and they'll just call things out and you got to write a joke based on it, which I love. That might be, I'm better at that than I think I am at straight up stand-up comedy. But, uh, but it's just free form. It's, for me, it's just literally like a Rorschach test where you just, whatever you think, I'll tell you what I think. And this kid goes, uh, take your shirt off. And so I would take my shirt off and he goes, uh, I said, what else? And he goes, Anne Frank. And then I go, oh, I used to think Anne Frank and Helen Keller were the same person. And he's like, and everyone starts laughing. I just thought everyone had mixed those two up. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, I did. And I said, I found that out of the Anne Frank house. They're not. And I told the story uh, of me and my friends going like, and, and by the way, it's, it's asinine to me that it's why I don't do observational comedy. The, I mean, the premise is uh, that my friends had said, it was right after Russia. They're like, we should go to the Anne Frank house. And I was like, oh, yeah, we'll get a bag of weed and laugh our dicks off. And they're like, what? <laughs> I was like, I've been hearing jokes about this chick my whole life. We'll put a plunger in her toilet. And they're like, huh? I go, yeah, yeah. And they're like, I don't know if you can go into her bathroom, but you can see the closet they kept her in. And I was like, oh, they kept her in a fucking closet? And they're like, yeah, the Nazis were looking for her. I go, the fucking Nazis were looking for her? I was like, how many times did this chick roll snake eyes? Can't see, can't hear, can't talk, locked in a closet. Nazis are looking for her. And then I was like, wait, how did the Nazis not find her? Banging around in the closet. I get off, I'm, by the way, I, people are laughing, but I'm oblivious to why they're laughing uh, i get off stage and rogan's like dude that's a bit and i went no 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 I, I i everything's new and he goes no 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 that is a bit and i had taped it luckily i had taped it and i went i went to omaha the next week i'm telling you i when i started the thing i literally was shocked anyone was laughing but so, sometimes that, that, that is how it comes out but sometimes it's like i think it's like there's no filter right you have like these kind of you probably didn't realize you have these connections in the brain connecting Anne Frank to Helen Keller, and then just someone shouting out Anne Frank, and you had no filter. Like a lot of times, people would be nervous and freeze, yeah. you know. And I think you're just like, Bleh. like you, and it, it rolls into a joke because then you, you, it goes into your stand-up skills, and you have these connections between Anne Frank and Helen Keller, which is an odd connection. And then you tell why, but that's something that's a joke. I found out why, by the way. Uh, it's Anne Sullivan. I used, oh, to, right. I used to confuse <laughs> Ann Sullivan and Ann Frank. Uh -huh. And I used to confuse Helen Keller with Ann Sullivan. Like Ann Sullivan was the, I saw the miracle worker. And yeah. so I never, Helen Keller wasn't the name that stuck out. For some reason it was Ann Sullivan. So when I first heard about Ann Frank, I confused Ann Frank and Ann Sullivan and then just made that one person. So there's a, there is a connect the dots and whether or not you really confuse them, yeah. you still were able to kind of like connect those dots to act as if you confuse the two of them because i'm yeah. sure at some level if you thought about it you wouldn't confuse oh, oh i would have definitely i would have I, you know it's like you hear those two stories at the same age so it just melted yeah. in but yeah like there's a bit um uh 
that I really don't find funny, but my wife is like, that's the funniest fucking story about, uh, I have a rash on my cheek um, that I got from this Vietnamese kid. Uh, this uh, We were in Vietnam and this kid wanted, they don't, they don't have beards there. Like men don't have beards. Vietnamese people just don't grow facial hair like that. So I came out of the jungle, we went to this village and they thought I was a fucking werewolf. And so they, I scared the kids. They'd never seen a man with a beard, especially like a loud American man. And so I started giving them Skittles and uh, and uh, they were rubbing my beard. I'd give them a Skittle and they wanted to rub my beard. And then every time they rub my beard, i go, <laughs> and they would howl laughing, right? So this one kid has got this fucking dirty hand and I'm like, oh, not him, not him. And then he does, rubs my beard and I growl and I immediately my face is itching. And I've had this rash on my fucking face for now probably like two years. And so I tell it, this is the part my wife finds funny. I, I show it to my mom <laughs> and my mom just goes, oh, honey, you have herpes. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, what? I was like, that can't be your fucking solution, mom. And who gets herpes on their cheek? And my, my, my mom's like, oh, we all have herpes. We all have herpes. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> And so, yeah, part of me is like, I don't know if my mom knows what herpes is, but my, I, my but things like that where my wife, or like like I said with the pajamas joke, with Adam Ega going, bro, that's the funniest joke. And I'm like, that's funny? Like, I think those are the times where you're, for me, and I think, once again, it goes back to, like, me in college. I, I, I was like, how can you be funny? I, don't, I, know, I know I can be funny in the moment, but I don't know how to be funny on stage. Well, well hey, you know how to be funny on stage. Yeah. Right, like, but I think what happens is, and the reason why maybe you don't go into the fifty-minute story is you're telling the story at a college party where everyone's. This is where you develop your skills. You're telling it at a college party where everyone's drunk. You have to get through the story in fifteen seconds, yeah, or else you lose your audience. Yeah. So it's not like everybody's sitting around a TV watching your special when you're eighteen years old. You had to, you had to hurry up because you were afraid to be ignored. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. That is. You nailed that. You really like I, I, my ther. I was supposed to do therapy today. I should have had my therapist Skype in with us so that he could have been like, um, I actually have a note on that. <laughs> well, now we're gonna get back to your dad though. That's the initial yeah, 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 tangent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was the dad thing? I, for, so I cut you, you off. You were saying you were saying you 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 know didn't don't bring up your dad much or your parents much in, in jokes, but when you tell like the Will Smith story, so you, you're doing stand up for only six months in New York. And the remarkable happens, which is that you're so funny and Will Smith's production company is so appreciative of your stand-up comedy. They get you a development deal where you're doing, you're pitching TV shows with Will Smith. He invites you to go to the movies. And the whole story is like fascinating because it's kind of celebrity gossip. But then your dad's, the comedian in the story, the way you tell it, he's, your dad basically says, oh, he's going to, try to be gay with you yeah and then you say you're a homochondriac and yeah. describe what that is so like your dad kind of actually is the impetus for a lot of the humor in, in some of these jokes that, that you tell and and you rely on him almost like um that that guy justin halpern who wrote the book uh, shit my dad says it's like you rely yeah. on him to be your your straight man almost yeah yeah it's uh what was it like growing up with him he didn't uh he didn't like he, I, I don't know the right way to say this without sounding bad, but like he didn't like my personality. <laughs> like, the, like the part of me that is that people enjoy, uh, my dad, it makes him very uncomfortable. Like, like, like what, what did he do for a living? He was a lawyer, still is a lawyer. Um, very humble. He's a very, very humble man. He would never, he never would brag. You'd never hear him brag about anything. But he's stern with you. Uh, 
He was a lot sterner with me than ever with my sisters. Yeah. Like he was very stern with me. Um, he, he says, and I, and I believe this, is that I remind him of his dad. And he lost his dad when he was 13. And so I think there's a part of him that was afraid to connect with me, maybe. Um, or maybe he didn't want you to turn out like his dad. Well, his dad, yeah, his dad died of a stroke when he was like 42. And I think he thought I was going to die of a stroke when I was 42. And by the way, I think Patrice died of a stroke when I was 42, maybe 40. And it, it changed the way I went to a cardiologist. Because of Patrice's stroke, I went to a cardiologist. I got on blood pressure medicine. I started, I, I, sadly, once I got on blood pressure medicine, I started living more unhealthy because I was like, oh, we're taken care of. But, uh, but yeah, and so he was a very, uh, he, he didn't like to show off in me. It was a perfect example of my, me and my dad's relationship. When I was in first grade, I was playing second base for the Yankees in Pinto baseball, right? Denny Sullivan was my coach. Uh, Teddy Church was my first baseman. Jason Sullivan was a shortstop. And a fly, the bases were loaded. It was an evening game on like a Thursday. And a fly ball was hit to me, and I caught it in the air. And I took the ball. I spiked it. I ripped my shirt off, and I started dancing. I'm in first grade, right? Now, I think... I think the now seeds of a, greatness are already there. In, 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 as a parent right now, I would, I would pay money for that experience to watch <laughs> that. I would definitely pay money if it was my kid. My dad was humiliated. He was like, he was like, you don't fucking do that, Jesus Christ. He's like, you you catch the ball and then you just, oh. And my mom loved it. My mom loved it. Denny Sullivan yelled out from the from the the uh, from the dugout. Put some mustard on that hot dog. And everyone <laughs> laughed even harder, right? I was oblivious. I, that was my natural personality. My okay. natural personality was to take, I succeeded, spike the ball, take my shirt off and start dancing. That was me. That, that's Bert. That is Bert. Like that is who I am is right in that kid. But right so there. let's say your dad was like, go Bert, right in that moment. How do you think it would have changed how you would have done it later, if oh, at all? I would have ended up being some fucking porn star Instagram <laughs> whore. Like, I, I, I probably, I don't know. I'm sure that you need that disapproval to become a well-rounded human being, or you just become obnoxious. Like, if I had lived my whole life spiking balls and ripping my shirts off, well, I, mean, I guess I technically do half of that, but like... I'm sure you would be you'd be Deion Sanders. Well, well, but it, I mean, by, by the way, I don't mean to slander Deion Sanders, but like I remember when Deion Sanders came out, my dad was like hated him, just like oh Jesus Christ! I mean, can can you can you believe this? Can you believe that prime time? Like, and then and then adversely, my dad when Deion was playing two sports, my dad was like, man, he is an amazing athlete. Now, cut to Tiger Woods comes out immediately. Like there's all this showmanship behind him, like like he's like a flashy, and I I assume my dad won't like that, and so my dad calls me. He's like, Are "You following this Tiger Woods thing?" And I say what I think would appease him, and I say, uh, "Yeah, but fucking, I'm not a fan." And my dad's like, "Oh, buddy, you're wrong. You're wrong. This kid is all talent. This kid is amazing, and he the words he's speaking is gonna. You'll see. You'll see. You what you got to watch is." And, and then he told me, he's like, you need to become a fan of his now so you can enjoy your life for the next 20 years. <laughs> and I went, really? Like, you can never, it's my dad's one of those people, you can never, whatever he says to you, you can never figure out why he's, like, I'm, I've never what been able to judge that? that guy. Is that 
We're about to watch. We're about to be experienced. One of the greatest golfers ever to live. And if you get on board with him now, then you will enjoy the next 20 years of your life watching him play golf. But if you hate him today, then, man, golf's going to suck for you forever. <laughs> and it's so funny. I became a Tiger Woods fan that day, uh, and I I am a ride-or-die motherfucker for Tiger Woods. Like, I I, I, I love that guy. I want I want success. I'm a fan. I had a, I had a guy come up to me one time in West Palm, and he goes, uh, his shirt's off, doing a meet-and-greet. And he's like, I need two minutes of your time. And I went, and the bouncer's like, bro, you got to leave. And he's like, two minutes, Bert, two minutes. And I was like, sure. And he goes, okay, I'm a fan. Do you know what that means? And I was like, yeah, oh, yeah, I get it. And he goes, no, 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 no. When you succeed, I get happy. Like when good things happen to you, that makes me happy because I'm on your team. And I was like, okay, because I don't think you're realizing what I say. Like if you got a TV show, I would feel like I got a TV show. Do you know what that means? He goes, I got nothing in my life, man. I All I do is I have you guys that I listen to on podcasts. And when good things happen to you, I feel like I joined the right team. He was like, I'm a fan. And immediately I went, I'm a fan of Tiger Woods. Like I, when bad shit happened to Tiger, I got bummed out. When people talk shit about Tiger, it bothered me. And when I see him succeed, like this last championship where he was coming up at the, dude, I'm getting chill bumps talking about it. Like I got excited. I was in Target with my kids watching it, watching Tiger finish out his round on my phone going, yes, like that. And then I, I connected. I went, dude, I know exactly what you mean. And he goes, I'm a fan. And I was like, Bro, I'm a fan of Joe Rogan's. I'm a, like, I'm a legit, I'm his friend. I'm a fan of Tom Scrooge's. I'm his friend. But when Tom succeeds, when Joe succeeds, when, when I heard Roseanne was going to do Joe's podcast on her first interview, I fucking was like, fuck it. Like, I got excited. And it's okay to be a fan of shit. Like, I like being a fan of shit. I'm a fan of Bill Burr's. When he goes on Conan the other night, I don't know if you saw it like a week ago, and murders, I cheer. I like, like, I'm in my bed going, oh, God to get it and then i run into him the other day and i'm like dude you murdered on conan like i get the experience to be able to share with my heroes and the people i'm a fan of i get to share with them in that experience you know and like it's i'm really lucky i mean that's part of the benefit too of doing a podcast but i bet get to call anybody up dude that i want and i don't call up random people yeah everybody asks me someone that i want to talk to it's dude, I love it. Well, I like Rob uh, you, Riggle. You do a great podcast. Rob you Riggle, call up your friends. I got Rob Riggle on my podcast. I think Rob Riggle was like, I don't know what the fuck this is gonna be, and I was like, bro, like I'm a fan. Like you don't understand. Like I'm a fan. I get to talk to you about your service in the military, which amazes me, because I feel like we're the same guy. But I, then I go, I would have never done that. Like I would have never served in the military selflessly, and you did. I want to find out where we veer. And I, by the end of the podcast, I got to be dead honest. I think Rob Riggle was like. Bro, that was a fun time. I was like, yeah, no shit. I'm a fan of yours. Like, yeah, it should have been fun. But yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Once again, I'm fucking my dad. I don't know. My dad, something like that. Well, okay. Uh, also, also, oh, we'll, we'll close off in a nifty way. Your, your dad, he didn't approve of you throwing the ball down. Yeah. You're still going to do that for the rest of your life, but you're just not going to do it arrogantly. You're going to do it thinking from all angles how people are looking at it, but you're still going to do it. You're going to take off your shirt not because you're the most beautiful demigod in the world, but that's just who you are. But then you're going to worry about what people think, and that's where the humor is. Yeah, I guess so. So I guess that, that formative moment, if we're going to put this in a nifty bow, is at that time when I spiked the ball and I, and I was being my authentic self, and my dad self-corrected it just a tad bit, and he was like, yo, life will be unbearable if you are this arrogant asshole 
who dances every time he dances in front of people every time he succeeds. Because you're clearly not arrogant. Like your no, story no. about when you introduced yourself to the Russian mobsters, where you had this whole uh, uh, hello planned, and all you can, you were so nervous at the final second. All you said was, "I'm the machine" yeah. in Russian, and you know it's because it's a mixture of your your the, the fearlessness you had there in first grade, but uh maybe they're going to disapprove. I think yeah, I think I think maybe they're going to kill me. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I think that it's um uh, yeah, I think there is a uh, I mean, what I was trying to say to them honestly was I'm the man, which is Yamashina, but I said Yamashinu and it just means I'm a car. And so they were like, "Huh?" And then that's what made them laugh is like they don't have slang. So if a guy comes up and he's like, hey, I'm a car, you're like, what the fuck? And so it made, just made them laugh. And I just kept saying it louder and louder, not knowing what I was saying all night. And then, then Igor translated it for me. He's like, no, you're saying you're the machine. And I was like, oh, I thought I'm saying I'm the man. Like I take a shot and go, I'm the man. And they were like, I'm the machine. And they just thought that was fucking hysterical. My dad, uh, to this day, I tell a story. Like I'll tell a story my dad goes, that didn't really happen, did it? And I was like, oh yeah. Like even the uh, the Will Smith story, my dad's like, I didn't I didn't say he was gay. Like, and I was like, no, you said it. And my dad's legit words were, he's gonna queer you. That's what my dad said. He's gonna queer you, buddy. And I went, I, I, it's like with the, with the Tracy Morgan story. Like Tracy, but, but just to be fair to Tracy Morgan, has come out and said that that story never happened. But okay. That's totally fine that he says that. Me and Tony Woods were there. Tony Woods and I both were there. It definitely happened. But I say this to my dad, and I say this to Tracy, like, to Tracy Morgan, if he ever hears this. Like, if I'm that good at just making up a story, I just write fiction. Like, what the <laughs> fuck am I doing stand-up for? Like, if I had a talent that I knew that I could just craft a story that the Tracy Morgan story might be the best story I've ever That's an amazing told story. in my entire life. If I could at what five months of doing stand-up if i knew that i could write that at five months of doing stand-up bro i'd be huge so so first i'm gonna give a, a a shout out to there's a clip of you telling that story superbly on the joe rogan show yeah so people should just youtube joe rogan you and tracy morgan and it's a great version oh, yeah. of that story plus that story is in your book great story and it's a punchline at the end that's a boom oh, at dude. the end that was that was before I realized. I mean, like, I, it's just how the story happened, you know. It's just the story. Hey, don't leave so fast. Before you go, don't forget to claim your free copy of my free ebook called "Fact Me," where I share with you my answers to a range of questions on business, coming up with ideas, getting unstuck, Bitcoin, and more. Get your copy of my book at jamesaltershire.com slash FAQ. That's jamesaltershire.com slash FAQ.